1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet.
2: Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. Palmer bet on the edge of the box. Oh,
0: it's a straight up screamer.
3: Download our app today and enjoy straight up Screamers, this FIFA World Cup, with great odds, great promos, and same game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gamblers help, call one eight hundred
0: eight five eight
1: eight five eight. 858 858 It feels like I've been away for weeks. The amount I've come back to,
0: Kimpi Morina, Morina, look here, man. Good to have you back. Good to have you back. Can't wait to have some roast duck.
1: Yep, yeah, we've actually got duck on the menu tonight. Yum. So come round to the Friday and um yeah, yeah, We're just we're just going through Shannon our. Shannon, a good cook. Cookbooks. She's an outstanding cook. Is um, she? Yeah, so not much she can't do. old well Shannon, and she's she's. I oh, she keeps saying yeah, you need to go on to master chef. She's. I'm not that good. I was a like, master chef for. Uh, you don't actually have to be a chef cool.
0: to go on master don't you? I'll, or, I'll let you know. If she's uh, she's able to go on master <laughs> Ducks not that easy to get right. <laughs> it isn't. It is, it's a horrible. It's horrible to get wrong. Um, mm. But yeah, mate, sounds nice. You had a good time down there. Bagging a few, um, a few Donalds. Yeah, although I kind of usually judge on how much,
1: and I I knew we I didn't actually. I probably was. I was the opposite of gun. I was a bit gun shy. Well, I wasn't trigger happy this year. I was kind of easy on the ammunition and getting older, mate. And I haven't. The shoulder actually isn't that bad, and usually the shoulder's stinging for a, a good week um but yeah a little bit we had a little bit of a different my my setup. went duck shooting over the the uh, weekend and actually oh, i've been meaning to ask how did you go double eight double three can you just send me your totals because i'd be very curious to see what part of new zealand you're in and uh, the totals a little bit of a quieter year for us ended up uh just a, t- a tick over 60 ducks which is plenty don't get me wrong it's plenty um big big pond we're on and um a lot of good fun mostly just a- ate mussels and bacon and egg pie Yum. and talked absolute rubbish in the Mimos and yeah. And yeah, then I've you're good at that. Back to the back to reality and um slap in the face with one of the worst Warriors losses in the club's history, they're calling
0: it. Mate we'll, we'll play some footage today um about the reaction from some pretty good pundits in Australia around the year and the, the show, not just our show yesterday, obviously Smithy had a crack at it and then then I listened to Staffy yesterday afternoon. He was having a crack at it. I think everyone's um, pretty disappointed. You know, is the probably, probably I'm being a quite quite nice when I'm saying disappointed. Um, <laughs> I I saw some stuff online about jerseys and all sorts, and you know I don't. I, for well, me, not, not- I, ta- I take that you know ripping up jerseys and burning yeah. them and stuff like that. I, look, I don't bind to that garbage. Um, I take it. I take a glass half full type uh, mentality around. You know if we get it right, the passion and the worries you probably won't have any other support like it. so you know the benefit the benefit of when you see it when it's really bad is knowing that when it's really really good uh, you probably won't get a seat in the house
1: no, I don't I don't necessarily think the people that burn and rip jerseys aren't actually they are never reflective of the fan bases but uh, they're usually attention seeking types that do that but from what I what I can tell Kimpi, and I've gone back and I've watched the game but I didn't quite catch the immediate aftermath of it. There's a l- real, real, real concern here, not just about where the club's going, but the mood around the club as it is. Because this is two of the worst losses that I've seen as far as I've been alive and had my eyeballs supporting the Warriors the Melbourne Storm and then this loss. Two bad losses for two different reasons. And it sounds like, and it kind of feels like, the mood has hit a dangerous place where usually something breaks and not too long and over the next couple of weeks if they lose a couple more games eventually you bend until you don't go full circle if something snaps
0: yeah look we and we've been touching on that most of the year that there might be something going on in the back in the back room and um you know whether or not the the training room and the coaches are getting on and all that sort of stuff and we'll find out you know we talked about the first 5 games and they could, how how easily they could have got 5 on the trot and they ended up with 3 which was quite good, and then we talked about the next batch, where they could have ended up with with five and zip, not getting one, and then they, they snuck one against Canberra. Imagine if they'd lost their game against Canberra, you know. So it, it's a, um, I, I guess a, a time now for Cameron Cameron George especially to knuckle down and, and really see what his teams has got. You know, big game against South Sydney this weekend uh, in Magic Round
1: yeah i do feel for cam George uh we'll talk more about this moving forward, but he's front and center on the New Zealand Herald today in the sports department they're asking for him to move on and you know this is this is what I mean the mood has kind of it's just started to hit the tipping point of it's feeling like there is a breaking point coming which is yeah bit of a bit of a shock to come back to to be honest i go I was off the grid when I go duck shooting I go pretty much off the grid Kimpi. it's um yeah there's not a lot of checking the uh the results and stuff and
0: you were hard to get hold of, I've got to say.
1: Well, um I don't even I barely even watch the races on Saturday. It's one yeah. pretty much the only weekend
0: a year. What happened? You know you know what a buck? Mate, sort of state, did you not see that? if you watch a replay obviously of Sort of State? Sort of state was huge. Mate, that was, on a witch. Honestly, I'd watch that over and over again. That was like that's what you want your horse how how well you want your horse to run. Um mate, fresh up after a spell over there in an unfavourable track. And just want and just got
1: a battle. And and those and that's a nice horse, the one that beat it, and it's a head bobber as well. You didn't get beaten really. Um and uh yeah, so head, moving on and, and this weekend on Trivia Airlines up in the Doombin ten thousand.
0: I reckon I reckon it's a chance. Like a big chance. Would it have to be. Mate. Oh no! Have you, have you checked the weather? What's the, what's the weather been like? Because it mate? It was she, wet over there. She won't really, unless it's unless
1: it's deep, she won't really worry with some sting out of it, with mm. a bit of cut out of it. It's not going to bother her too much. And uh, Opie, the beautiful thing about having these nice Tiako runners over there is uh, Opie's there, and he just you don't it takes a it takes that equation of an Aussie jockey out of it. Yeah, <laughs> and the Aussie jockeys are really good, but they just. You don't, you need, you want, when you you want someone that knows your horse. And, um, yeah, so, so that's good. So I barely watched the races. What else was going on?
0: Super rugby. Oh, the Crusaders. How good were they? What about the Hurricanes? Tip that. You and, you a an nizzy again. Give it by, what do I give them? Oh, 30 plus, did I? Or did I say 20 plus? Something like that. Um, yeah, the Hurricanes I thought were really good. The Blues, I look up the Blues. I think we need to start talking more about the Blues.
1: No, I think I don't. Think come we do. on, come on. What Laurie. do you know, want to say about them? I know them? I'm up
0: against it here, and I, and I live in Tamaki Makoto, but you know, and you and you and is he just bleed red and black? I think we need to start talking about the Blues, mate, and where they are. Like, what do you want to say? Well, as is, as is, uh, oh, need the number thirteen. Like we've been talking about the midfield. Like he's obviously the best in the comp at the moment. I think I think it was.
1: Uh... Goldie or Justin Marshall was definitely well, they were in they were in agreement. Um, yeah, to be
0: fair, he yeah, to does. Be fair, he does hooker does hooker get a start in the All Blacks? Does he halfback get a start in the All Blacks?
1: Goal. Kurt Eklund's playing well. Finlay Christie's playing really well. Uh, when you say start, you mean the All Blacks squad? And then yeah, look, well, Rico Iwani To be fair, he is. We, you know what we used to say about Rico Iwani at centre? Oh, he just he doesn't link with his outside backs and he's a bit inconsistent. Well, he's actually done this now for close on a year. He's been playing really well in the centres. So. Yeah,
0: I kind of. Yeah Yeah Well Steve Devine Had plenty to say About yesterday He As you know And uh, he thinks I'll go he'll th- He thinks I'll go All the way He thinks they You know Got the team To go all the way This year So Mate that's really Interesting he, he, He's hoping That they play The Crusaders Down there And beat them On their home ground Um Who knows? Crusaders might not even get a home game. Steve Devine's probably got a nosebleed from the inflation in Auckland. He's just, that's,
1: that's just, whoa, whoa, let's just easy on. I mean, they're a good
0: side, but I actually think the Brumbies might be the best side in Super Rugby. Well... I've come out. I've done it away from home, and I'm looking forward to the Bledisloe. <laughs> and one another thing I saw, saw on the social was the Bledisloe Cup. How long it's been since it's been back in Aussie, and the Aussies already started talking up that they get it, they're going to get it this year. Like, you know, pull your head in. Like, <laughs> you've won a couple of games. <laughs> totally, totally, totally different kettle of fish when you put the black jersey on, or is it? Wow. I mean,
1: that might be the that might be the. Um common kind of that's what we've usually said, but the tide is changing in rugby union, we know that. The 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 way it's reft is completely different. Um the all blacks last year and the year before were humbled and were brought back to the pack. Uh across the kind of whole realm of rugby up in north and in the south Things are looking like they haven't in a long time. So would I be surprised if the Wallabies can piggyback off the back of some Super Rugby success, which also hasn't happened in a long time? I actually think the stars are kind of relying. So I I don't, I don't want to upset you at quarter past six, Kempi, but (laughs) I'd be just starting to watch the progress of Dame because you know, because you know, the worst thing is who who's pulling the strings. Yeah, Dave Rennie's over there, going absolutely
0: rubbing his hands together at a furious rate of knots, going, "Oh, yeah, we've, and, uh, and on that too, mate. Like the the I guess the the amount of riches of coaches that we have at that top level. Like we spoke to Steve Devine yesterday about Joe Smith's um, inclusion." in the in the blues and in the all blacks and what he brings to the side. There's, you know, obviously a reason why the Blues are going so well and hopefully that inclusion in the All Black team with Joe Smith's gonna make a big difference too. But you're right, around the globe, and we've got, you know, Rennie over in Australia plotting the plotting the downfall of the All Blacks, all the Kiwi coaches, jeez, we wish you wish you had more teams over here that we could keep our men, you know?
1: Yeah, we know that's I, I do hear you there. Um, Super rugby—it's a funny one at the moment because it is actually going to come around really, really fast. Tim is on oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. The Kennards High phone line down there in the Garden City. What do we got? Rainy, overcast, or is it a crispy frost, Tim? Um,
2: it's been raining, so there's no frost. But uh, yeah, can't really tell yet. Still pretty dark.
1: What do you What do you got on the Blues and Crusaders? Is Steve Devine and Kimpie? Are they? Are they off the mark or am I just still a little bit... Am I not coming to terms with how good the Blues are?
2: Oh, man, obviously I'm a one-eyed cantat, but I'm you know, look from the outside in. And In the next two weeks, all three of those teams you're talking about, the Brumbies, the Crusaders and the Blues, all play each other. So in, in two weeks' time, we're going to know who's sort of, sort of the men out from the boys. But the other thing that um, the Blues haven't really proved is what they're like under, under the pressure of player football. You obviously the Crusaders uh, have got a long history of not ever dropping. But, you know, I think we've only lost a couple
1: of uh, playoff games ever. So um, it'll just be interesting to see how the Blues go. Yeah, I completely agree, Tim. And, and I think you're right. Just very quickly, the are the best three teams in the comp, you think? Brumbies, Blues, Crusaders? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, bang on. There you go, and and we're going to find out. That's the beauty of it. This it's starting to come to a climax really fast, and they're going to play each other in the bit in the next few weeks, and we'll kind of get the seedings of to see who. Unfortunately for Chiefs fans, I don't know what's happened there in the Waikato, but it just hasn't quite come together.
0: No, and they're meant to win on the weekend too. You know, like uh, I I don't know what's going on down there. I think most of the most of the teams for the Australia for the Bleeters going to it's going to come from the Crusaders, Blues, and and the Brumbies. yeah, was, there are a few chief players down there that that will push for All Black um, inclusion. But you know, when you look at that Brumbury side and their back three, you know, like I watched them play the Hurricanes, um, and I I thought it was like it was like a men and boys type back three. Like you looked at the Wellington Hurricanes back three, and you went, yeah, that's a real decent back three. And but then you looked at and went, yeah, but they're men, like just the bigger afros the bigger bodies and the more aggressive i would be really surprised if Rennie doesn't put that back three in his Australian side
1: yeah you're right they are uh, they're all in sync they playing some super footy and they are they're big actually the Brumbies are big their, their, their forwards are big uh, their line out drivers are absolutely superb their set pieces watertight they're good around the park so whatever the Brumbies are doing right I think you're right Dave Rennie will be tapping into that it's not just the IPL playoffs we're keeping an eye on in the coming future. Right now, we're in the thick of it. We're knee deep in the NBA playoffs, and if you were thinking or you were worried that maybe the conference semifinals were starting to sway and and not look overly competitive, boy were we wrong. Jessica Benson is the host of the Memphis Grizzlies radio and grind city media uh, shows. She's got a podcast called Rise and Grind with Jessica and Megan, and The Memphis Grizzlies are going to have to do it tough without Ja Morant by the looks if they want to even their series up against the Golden State Warriors. But the trend of these playoffs so far, the series are being evened up and it's very competitive. Jessica, good to have you on the show. How are you doing over there?
4: Doing wonderful. How are you guys doing?
1: Oh, we're loving it. We love this time of year. Following along with the NBA playoffs, the only thing that's better than the NBA playoffs even just being on is when they're competitive. And and haven't the series really come alight over the weekend?
4: Absolutely. Super fun to see the Mavs figure out how to even up things with the Suns and then the Sixers to get Joel Embiid back and to see just how big his presence has been to allow them to even up their series with the Miami Heat. Going into the weekend, we left our show on Friday, and it certainly felt like both of those series could be on the way to bringing out the brooms and getting a little sweep action. But (laughs) it's fun to see both of those series extended in the way that they're at. And we here in Memphis are hoping that a similar plan goes ahead for the Memphis Grizzlies. You already have a Game 5 guaranteed back in Memphis coming up on Wednesday but it would certainly feel a lot better and a lot more stable if this series was evened up 2-2 tonight with their game against the Warriors in San Francisco.
0: Uh, Just on that Jessica if if Joe Morant can't play tonight who do the the Grizzlies turn to?
4: Yeah here's the thing that's so interesting with this Grizzlies team is they actually went 20-5 20-5 when John Morant didn't play during the regular season. He dealt with some injuries, and the team was able to really adapt without him. They turned really aggressive on the defensive end of things, and they have such a steadying force in, in their backup point guard in, in Tyus Jones, and he's done a tremendous job when his number has been called to step into that starting lineup. But it's definitely a different beast, per se, when you're looking at the way that this Golden State Warriors team is playing, especially considering that they just put up 142 points against you in a Game 3 win where they controlled it from about the second quarter onward and it didn't feel like the Grizzlies were ever able to get into an offensive rhythm and certainly weren't able to stop the dribble penetration and all that the Warriors give you, whether it be Steph Curry or Clay Thompson getting hot or Jordan Poole off the bench, their depth really outplayed the Grizzlies. So it'll require a full team effort. There's no getting around it, not having John Morant, who is currently leading the entire NBA playoffs in both scoring and in assists, is a massive hole that they're going to have to figure out how to work without.
1: We're talking all things NBA plus with Jessica Benson. Double A, double three. She'll uh, we'll put any of your questions to her if you've got a question about your favourite team or, or who's going to stand up today. Uh, watching ESPN right now, Jessica, no one can accuse us of not being on the pulse because that's the question they're asking who steps up after Char? And all of the names you, refs rattled off <laughs> popped up on graphics there as well. So it's very sharp work. The, the identity of the Memphis Grizzlies, going back to that uh, Eric, the kind of Rudy Gay, um, Tony Allen, Mike Connolly era, that grind, that grit, that determination. Does this team embody that still?
4: Absolutely. It always feels like those grit and grind years are just so embedded into the Memphis identity. And now you've shifted into a situation where this is the second youngest team in the NBA, but they don't act like it. One, in terms of finishing the regular season with the – second-best record in the entire league next to the Phoenix Suns, but, two, just in the sense that they truly believe that they're contenders, and it's never been a question to them if this is their time. The NBA is all about – having those veteran-laden championship-proven teams like the Golden State Warriors eventually be usurped by a younger team, a hungry team, a scrappy team like the Memphis Grizzlies. And they have their all-star point guard in John Morant, even though he most likely will not be playing tonight. But they also have so much other depth throughout that has really risen to the occasion this season. I I talked about Tyus Jones having to physically step up into that point guard position, but When you look at the opportunity for both Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr., two pillars of this team uh, that have certainly been able to help catapult them to success thus far during the regular season. And then also you get Dylan Brooks back. He was out the last game. And so – when you look at the fact that they gave up 142 points, they were without their best perimeter defender as he was going with his one-game suspension that he got for the flagrant two-call in game two. And he'll come back tonight, and I swear, he is going to experience boos that he has never heard before <laughs> at the Chase <Chief laughs> Center. Does. But this is a man who embraces the mentality. He goes by Dylan the Villain, and that will <laughs> definitely be next level here tonight. So I, I would say the Grizzlies still have all the most opportunity to stretch this series onward and still have a chance to come out of it advancing into the Western Conference
0: Finals. Hey, Jessica, really, really good um, information and analysis there. One name you haven't brought up was Stephen Adams. Um, Yeah. Moving forward, does he have a future at Memphis?
4: You know what? Stephen Adams has been massive, both in physical size and just in terms of his presence with this team this year. He's been the consummate professional. and. Much was made about the fact that that opening round series against the Minnesota Timberwolves just – it wasn't a good matchup for him in terms of the defense necessary to guard a big like Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, Steven Adams just wasn't the right fit. And now you had a situation where he went into health and safety protocols and was dealing with a case of COVID. He's still trying to get his conditioning back, and he saw him play a couple minutes at the end of game three the other night. That's really the big question here in Memphis is, Will Steven Adams start tonight? And Taylor Jenkins, the coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, always keeps his lineups and those kind of decisions very close to the vest going into it but something that Steven Adams was huge with even if perhaps the liability is there defensively he was one of the key reasons why this was the best rebounding team in the NBA and he led the association in offensive rebounds and his ability to really extend possessions for this Grizzlies team he's also just a monster screen setter he opens up a lot of things offensively Uh, his work with John Morant especially so it's kind of a bummer that He wouldn't be able to get that opportunity with him tonight per se, Um, but we'll see how it plays out with Steven. The one thing that he's been the entire time is he's been an excellent teammate and he's been the first to support this group, even when he's been on the bench and just his presence alone in that sense I think has made him completely invaluable to Memphis during this postseason.
1: No, that's awesome to hear, Richie. I hope that answered your question as well. Kieran's got one for you here, Uh, Jessica. We've just seen Nikola Jokic this morning. Uh, It's pretty much all confirmed. He is the two-time MVP now of the league. Uh, Kieran wants to know who your MVP was, thinking that just watching Embiid come back for Philadelphia just underlines again how dominant he was this year. So did you have a personal preference in those stakes?
4: Yeah, man, the MVP race is always just – it's so frustrating. And once I got past the point of wanting to make a definitive case for one player to be MVP, it, like, loosened up my life a lot more because <laughs> if you invest in it, chances are your guy's not going to win. Um, I I'd, I'd never want to take anything away from Jokic's season because he was a valuable player for the Denver Nuggets, and he was arguably the best player in the regular season. And this is where you get into the stickiness of it all is – you're getting this award presented during the postseason and you're coming off of a game like last night where just seeing Joel Embiid on the court, not only does he have 24 points and 11 rebounds, but the way that he opens things up for the rest of his team, the way James Harden is able to play Mm -hmm. the best version of his basketball and even like a player like Danny Green... He can make the threes if they're wide open, and they're wide open because of what Joel Embiid's presence alone brings to that Philly team. So it's hard to have this conversation when one team is still playing in the postseason, and that player, Joel Embiid, is actively dragging them through. I would even throw Giannis Antetokounmpo in the mix of that as being one of the greatest players in the world right now. But all that said, I don't have any issue with Jokic being back-to-back MVP in the way that he was able to carry the Nuggets despite them being down two key players and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. and still get them to the postseason is really impressive.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair enough. The other game of the the day today, of course, is the Bucks and the Celtics. And, and you reference Antetokounmpo. I mean, what he's been able to do without Chris Middleton and the level he goes to, it's almost like he is the unanimous, unanimous best player in basketball, might not be the MVP yeah. year in, year out anymore. But what he's done, it's kind of in this series is, really put that in bold. On the other side of it, can Jason Tatum continue his ascendance and, and today, who do you see that game going towards?
4: I think you're going to see a very aggressive Jason Tatum today. And a Jason Tatum who feels some kind of way about going four nineteen and over six from the three point line. You can't have ten points from Jason Tatum if you want this to go the way of the Celtics. And I just think this series in itself is Super intriguing. You have two incredible basketball teams facing off with one another and the way the Bucks have adjusted without Chris Middleton uh, to see Drew Holiday step up in the way that he has. And then something that wasn't talked a lot about throughout the regular season was the Bucks' defense. And, and that's because Brooke Lopez was out and he's the defensive anchor of that team and seeing just what his presence does for Milwaukee in this postseason matchup with the Celtics. He's done a tremendous job. So It'll be interesting to see, but I my take tonight is that the Celtics will have a really strong response from their loss from the weekend.
1: Yeah, I think lots of people would be expecting that as well. It's been um, a super fun playoffs to this point, and it's almost just percolating and just starting to heat up. And you're right, Luka Doncic and what they've been able to do against the Suns and Chris Paul, the kind of mystery of Chris Paul. Is he the point guard? Isn't he the point guard? Isn't he the point guard? Is he, is he the point guard? There's so many different subplots, and uh, you're right in the thick of it over there. So really appreciate your time this morning, Jessica. It's been awesome to catch up.
4: Thanks, you guys. Have a great one.
1: There you go. Jessica Benson, host for Memphis Grizzlies and Grand City Media. Uh, a different a number of different podcasts. Look up at Jessica Bez, or Jess Benson TV. You can go follow her very sharp work on Twitter. Um, double eight double three. Who is the threat right now? Because I think we were saying that F- Phoenix Suns, you know, they were the ones penciled in for the NBA Finals trip. Who is the threat to win the title now? Is it the Uh, sorry is it the Bucks is it the Celtics is Philly got your attention again can the Warriors still make another run and and add another chip to that dynasty double eight double three the Tampa Bay Post text machine I'm really curious because I'm a basketball fan and and I can't pick at the moment I wouldn't have a clue who the NBA championship favourites is at the moment so would love to hear from you Kimpy, uh, you were pretty quick in your day and you always bang on about those Mizuno golf clubs but I don't know whether you would have touched this world record.
0: Mate, I doubt whether I would, but you know, most most world record holders come from Taranaki <laughs> and we've got we've got another one called Jamie Reid um, and his game is speed golf. So, you know, 2022 Speed Golf Open, he played that at Fitzroy Club, great little club down in Taranaki, my, my favourite surf break too, Fitzroy, just um, just so you know, uh, on the weekend and the Premier Speed Golfer showed his class in a world-class performance and he's on the line with us right now. Good morning, Jamie, how are you, Boat?
2: Good morning. Thank you. Uh, very
0: good. Thanks. Hey, mate. I'm reading. I'm read, Just reading some stats here now. Seriously, you should be on the PGA. Just take me through it. Just take me through this, Jamie. You you achieved 69 shots in 31 minutes. Is that correct on Saturday? Yep, that was
2: uh, that was Saturday's
0: round of
1: golf, nice and easy. So, Jamie, how does is that is that just as it reads? Is there like I, I'm coming into this pretty blind around speed golf? Is, is that actually you shot under 70 in 31 minutes?
0: Yep.
2: So yeah, just tee off the first hole, and then instead of walking around, you just run around, and then your time stops when you run through the gate at the uh, after the 18th hole, and manage to whip around 31 minutes and shoot 69, and that was just with three clubs.
1: How, yeah, well, you couldn't carry a bag. I was how far is Fitzroy Club? How how far did you? How many kilometres did you travel?
2: Uh, so the running distance was six and a half
0: k. <laughs> Mate, what an effort! <laughs> what an what an effort! Like. What's what's par for course?
2: Uh, it's par sixty eight, so I was I was only one over.
0: Um, <laughs> it's mate, you're embarrassing yeah, you're embarrassing uh, all the golfers that are listening. Seriously, driver <laughs> driver
2: drive seven iron and get wedge, So no putter needed out
0: there. And were there shots that you that you made that you you thought, mate, if I hit that one better or if I putted that one better, I'd actually be on a sixty five. Was there any part of that of did your you day leave, that was like that? How much like did that?
2: you leave out there? Yeah, oh. Absolutely. Anytime you go out and play golf, doesn't matter what. There's <laughs> always three or four
0: you leave out there. <laughs> so take us through the world record. What? So, what made you decide that? You know, I've got a chance. You're sitting down. Are you from Fitzroy? Are you are you a townie? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's
2: my home club. That's where I play it. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really
0: so well. you so you so sitting at home and you're just going, man. I'm looking. What you're looking through a book or you something hit you in the in the eyes and you went, oh, I reckon I can I can beat that that score in that time. Just take us through. Why you decided to, to take the world record on?
2: Uh, yeah. So the, the current world, well, the record before before I played um, was one oh seven. Um, so that's just your time and your score added together. Um, and I do all my training out at Sotry and sort of know the course very well, which makes a big difference in speed golf because you don't have time to get your rangefinder out and sort out which way the putts are breaking and stuff like that. It's just a matter of getting up there and doing that. So um, knowing the course helped helped a lot, um, and then just through my training. I knew my running was getting um, pretty quick, so just needed to put the two together. Um, and the goal was to break 100 because I knew that was uh, that was achievable out there. But I was 19 seconds off that on the Saturday, uh, which was a little bit frustrating when I when I finished. But I didn't actually realise how well I was going until I finished. So pretty happy though to to break the world record by about seven. So sort of smashed it, and then broke that 107 on the Sunday as well, and shot 104, which was good.
1: That is that is an unbelievable effort, mate. You've actually got Majora on the table here. Is it, it? Did you hit a bad shot? Because like I can't imagine if you drove one onto the other fairway, you'd have time. Like is it? You actually have to, you actually have to put it up the guts.
2: Yeah, hitting it straight is rather important because if you do start hitting it wide, um, you obviously have to run a lot further, and that's mm. extra time. And even if you hit the ball past the flag, you have to run past the flag and then back, and so that wastes a lot of time as well. So you do have to be. There is a bit of strategy involved to make sure that you can run far, um, and also just that, what they call the transition, so as soon as you get over the golf ball and, and hit it and run, there's no time to watch your golf ball and see where it's going, you've just got to hopefully that it's going straight, well, um, and trust your instincts, and then just chase after it.
0: Jamie, you must have checked the weather, Like it's a links course there, you must have checked, checked the, the weekends to decide when to take it on mate, because there must have been, was there a nice sunny day down there, no wind?
2: We were, we were very lucky on the Saturday and the Sunday actually the sun, that Sunday there was a little bit of wind but um, compared to what Fitchwood can have next to the sea there it's normally of gale but we were very lucky with the weather which did make a big difference
0: as Mate, well Mate did but. you did you get any um, tips from Murray Martin?
2: <laughs> no I have played a bit of golf with Murray Um Murray can't see the ball at the moment, so he'd be no good at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, I was wondering,
1: because that's the hardest thing, I've, I'm definitely not running when I play golf, but I've got terrible eyesight, and uh, when you don't hit it straight all the time, it's kind of hard to find your ball. Do you have spotters with you, or are you just flying solo?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I did have a spotter, my brother-in-law was out there um, in front of me, so it does make it a lot easier when you do have a spotter, it's just for the, the one or two shots that you might hit astray. Um but luckily there weren't too many, well, I don't think I really hit too many astray out there, so I didn't. Have to rely on them too much, but it does it does make a difference if you do. here you know, like I said, hit that one or two astray, and just to save the time, because you the, the last thing you want to do is get up there and you have to spend 10, 20 seconds trying to look for your golf ball, because you don't really have that time up your sleeve when you're trying to break world records.
0: What about an umpire? Do you have, do you have someone from the yeah, world, world yeah. records adjudicated is watching, making yeah, yeah. sure that your brother-in-law's not kicking that ball <laughs> close to the hole? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah no, you have a um, you have a scorer that comes around with you on a cart, um, and they keep track of your golf score because you just go out and play by yourself. Um, so, you've got to have that score there, and then they're obviously checking all the rules and stuff as you go around as well. But they fly around in golf cart, but normally I'm faster than the golf cart, so they're lucky that I have to stop every now and then to hit my golf ball so that they can catch back up and, and keep up with me.
1: Oh, it's, a, it's an unbelievable effort, Jamie. It's uh, really good stuff. Do you have, um, obviously, people can follow along with you on your socials and that sort of thing and see where you're heading next?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, follow me on social media. Um, yeah, I've got Worlds is the next big one um, in November over in Florida. So I'll be up in my training for that there and hopefully uh, some more records can fly as I keep training towards that, which will be good.
1: Beautiful stuff, mate. Well, all the best. That is a hell of an effort and I think we might have lost a few listeners when you said that for that one or two shots (laughs) that you hit a straight and then you mentioned that you didn't hit any because you're (laughs) obviously in great nick and you're hitting it straight as well. So that's the dangerous Cordella. Appreciate your time this morning. No worries. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) Oh, he's always good. He was always good in the media as a player, and he's been very generous with his time. After his playing days, it's Blake Ashford. Blake, you want to be glass half full, glass half empty, or should we just talk about the other aspects of the NRL?
3: Oh, other aspects if you want. But I, know, Ke- I know what Kemp after. He's after some stuff. He's, someone <laughs> I just said he had the fire extinguisher next to him just to put him out, so <laughs> might Come- as well get into it.
0: Yeah, mate. What What do you... look? Like, I uh, I've been thinking about a question for you all night, Blake. You've been there, mate. You've been there. You've been there at the West Tigers. You've been there at the Warriors when similar things have happened. Tell us what's going on in your mind.
3: Oh look, it's just inconsistency, really. When you think about it, I mean, the weekend. I just think you know, like, like that storm loss was bad, and then we bounced back, and then we have it. It's just they got to string some wins together. I mean, they would have had some hard truths. I know there's a lot of shade being thrown at Nathan Brown at the moment. I think on the weekend, I don't so much know what Nathan Brown could have done. For me, um, look, because we expect so much from Shawnee Johnson, because we know what he can do and the potential that he has, I thought on the weekend we really needed him to take control of the game. And um, that's where we fell down. And um, going forward, look, I still think they're going to be all right. I know, Kempe, you know, you might not think so. And a lot of others might think... uh, that they're going to miss the eight. Um look I still think they have the team to do it and I think they will be there.
0: Mate, just on the Sean Johnson stuff, let's let's pick that up. Like let's say he doesn't fire, mate. Let's just say he doesn't fire. What what do you do? Like, where do you go to if you're you know, you've got a hooker that is not going to take you to the finals. Let's be brutally honest. And then you've got a you know a halfback like Sean Johnson that doesn't fire or fires every second week. What do you do? Like, where do you go to? Can you see anyone in that team that can step up if they have to make that change?
3: Um, personally, I, I don't think so. I think if they do, if Sean doesn't fire, then it all comes back onto the, the forwards. I think we see Matt Lodge have a better game on the weekend. He was outstanding that first half. Um, I think him, Adam and Jazz, Josh Curran coming back, I think those forwards are really going to have to step up and probably win a lot of the games for us. Um, I, I think Shawnee, we know he's not going to be that stepping player and that person. You might see it once every now and then. But the thing that was, I suppose, disappointing on the weekend was for a halfback that we believe, and we know, has so much potential and he's been in NRL for so long. He should have taken that game and done, I think, what we, what the Warriors fans thought we brought him back for and that was just direct the game around and really stand up and be the leader of the team. Um, well, I I don't have an answer for if Shawnee doesn't fire what we're going to do because I think he's the one, if we're to make the semis, he's the one that's got to be the director. He's got to lead the team everywhere. I think a lot of it, unfairly or not, but you know what it is, mate. When they win, the halfback gets all the glory and when they lose, <laughs> it usually comes back to the star player as well. So, um, look I think it's all on him really
1: Well you look at the other high paid players at the club um, the two big boys they're doing well, they're playing well I think Fanua Blake especially and, and look, Matt Lodge they are trying in the, in the middle when you kind of get into these ruts and you know that people are talking about you externally Blake and you don't obviously don't try to read it who do you look at? Like, Do you look at your mates in the team to lead forward do you look at the coaches, do you look at a CEO, an executive member of the club for a bit of positivity Like, where do you start looking?
3: No, you go straight to to your teammates. Um, look, as much as you know, the coaches. Kemp has been a coach, and he knows as much as you know your game plan and do all the motivational speaking and try to get the boys' minds right. You can only do so much. Um, at the end of the day, it comes down to those 13 players or those 17 players that take the field on the, on the weekend. So, look, they. I said after the Melbourne game, they were going to have some, you know, a couple of video sessions and have some hard truths. Um, I think they, they did that, but look, it's going to be even worse after that one on the weekend. So I think they've just got to look at each other. And I, look, I, I honestly do think that they have the potential to bounce back and make this top eight and go on a run so that when they do come back to New Zealand, they're in that they've won one or two, maybe three games.
0: Gee, I hope we all, you know, we can see that because I know the importance of that going into this July 3rd game. Um, like when you just say you're saying stuff like you know, there's, there's hard truths need to be spoken about, you know. And Nathan Brown came out after the the Melbourne game said there was, you know, they weren't going to watch the video. We're just going to get on as a short um, turnaround. They get this win against Canberra on a on a Matt Lodge dive and then show up and play the way that they did against Cronulla with eleven men. What do you think is being said behind um, closed doors? But more importantly. Why is the reaction to those home truce um, not not being followed through?
3: Oh, that's a great. That's a great. You know, everything we study can be it's just speculation. I suppose here um, they have those those meetings and things in private for a reason. Um, I'd say there'd be you know a lot of people being told what they don't want to hear. Um, but for me, like some of the efforts on the weekend, I think that if they didn't look at the Melbourne Storm game, they would definitely have to look at the game on the weekend. Because even that last try where mm. Nakora was held, and then one of the boys, uh, I think Vialia just went out like because he got hit in the throat, and dropped off the tackle.
0: Keystone like, cops. You need to. He,
3: he, he, you had him. You had him wrapped up. You just need to stay there. It's just thinking about other things instead of what's important at the moment. Um, look, I I don't know what they're going to say to each other, but um, I'm hoping whatever it is that, you know, they're coming out this weekend and the weekends. Um, in advance and just, yeah, digging down and biting on the mouth guard and having a crack.
0: If you if you do get a chance to have a look at that um, that final play where Nikora um, goes down the right side, he he runs into three players, Villier gets cops an elbow around the throat area, falls off, and then Reece Walsh shoots in and gets cramped just before he steps in to make the tackle on oh, Niko Hines who throws that ball back on the inside. That sort of, to me, Blake sums up what we're actually talking about, which is uh, getting down and dirty um, in the trenches and making sure that you're for that that bloke next to you and, and that eighty minutes. In your in your honest opinion, Blake. In your honest opinion, Uh-oh. what do you think? If anything, Nathan Brown can bring to the side before July third. Um, look, uh,
3: I, I, I I do think that he's got the team. To do it so we don't know I, I don't know his coaching structure structure and I know you don't I don't think anyone else does either um, look I think he just bring the boys together hopefully they're, they're over there together at Redcliffe I'm just hoping that Nathan Brown gets the boys together um, sort of puts a rocket out of, rocket up them firstly and then um, you know they, they dig down and work hard because a lot of it is going to be working hard to get out of it. So I know it's a bit of a cliche answer, Kippi, but um, in my
1: opinion, I think
3: you've got to get them working hard and probably spray a couple boys.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, and, you, and then we'll see, and then we'll see what happens. And it, you're, you, you make the best point, to be honest, Blake. We're always kind of guessing, aren't we like you don't actually know how players in a certain individuals unless you're in the team where you've played with exact people you don't necessarily know how they react to different types of coaching so like from that point of view it is it's all kind of guesswork but what we do see is we actually see the performances and the way the players react on the field in their eighty minutes and I think that's where a lot of fans are probably being despondent. do you think that the Rabbitohs game can be like you're obviously you are glass half full you still think they're an eight a top eight side. Do you think if they can't bounce back like they did against the Raiders after the Storm game this weekend against the Rabbitohs, then you'd be worried?
3: Um, personally, for me, it's still they've won these games like the Raiders games. When it comes down to the top eight at the end of the year, you know the Warriors are going to be in that probably seventh to twelfth position, where there's going to be two points, or they're going to be equal, and try and uh, it's going to be four and against that comes down to it. Um, for me, like that Raiders game, they needed that. This South games a worry for me because of how South played against the Broncos. so South are sort of in the same boat of the Warriors as look, we need to to bounce back and win. So I think it's going to be a, a close match um, i I'm not going to be fully worried. I know some people might be uh, I think this might be a game where they they need to win or the next couple they need to win. Just because those close games like these ones that can go either way are the ones that are gonna matter um at the end of the year.
1: Yeah, well they've got the um they've got the Tony Kemp uh N- Knights game on the twenty eighth of May and the next couple, so that'll be good. Blake, it's been great to catch up with you, mate. You you are honest and you do your best um trying to wade through it for us. So we really appreciate it, mate. And it's uh you gotta get stuck right in this we can't really turn away and sh- sh- uh, shine a blind eye, can we?
3: No, nah, mate. Eh, and, and I enjoy the time with Kempi. I know I've come in a little, you know, not not full on. I know Kempy wanted me to. He really wanted me to go hard at someone. But hey, eh, um, I've done my best, and uh, it's good talking to you, lads.
0: Yeah, just jump on your surfboard down and pop a mile, mate, and I'll do the hard work up here, okay? <laughs> Sweet, mate.
1: Shaun <Shot>, <laughs> Yeah, Blake Ashford, he knows your tricks, Kempy, and I, I don't. It's not this. It's not about Blake laying into someone, but not at all. It, he makes the point we don't actually know how the players are reacting to the exact coaching, and he doesn't know that we don't know the coaching structure and how it exactly works and who's got who, which responsibility. But there's a couple of good ticks here. Um, Kimpi, on ECNZ at the start of the season, you were asked by Beaver, "Are the Warriors going to win this year?" His answer: "We are going to do the best we can." Wrong answer. Remember when you guys asked the Phoenix captain Ollie Sale, "Can they win?" And he said, "Yes." From that moment, you knew. We were still going down this path of insanity yet again.
0: Yeah, well, the difference was that I'm not out there playing, <laughs> and I like I like Ollie, I like his, um, his question and try the best we can at the beginning of the year. You know, that's all you can ask for. You know what I mean? Re- reality. The reality bites when the season kicks off. No, no one. Be- no, no one's going to remember the beginning of the year. They're going to start to remember what happens between now and Origin, and they're definitely going to start to. to um, push the boat out post origin. So, what Blake saying is really interesting because he's what he's. You know, if you're looking at the if you're looking at the ladder between sixth and thirteenth, there's four points in it. Yeah, but there's six six seven teams in it. You know what I mean to make the make the the top two, and it's going to and like you said, everyone knows it comes down to four and against. So, you wouldn't want to be stuck in that situation come the back end of the year.
1: Absolutely not. How about this? 800 150 That's the Kennard's higher phone line. Rabideaus, Dragons, Knights. Let's just break it into three. Let's go work in threes here. If Blake is right and the glass half-fall approach prevails, how many of these games do the Warriors win in the next three? And they let, let's not sugarcoat it. The, the Raiders game was turgid. They won, but it was a bad game. So that was off the back of the storm. Coming off the back of this performance... Can they get up against the Rabbitohs? Then what happens against the Dragons? And then what happens against the Knights? 0800 150 Someone break it down for me.
3: When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. ba da ba ba Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.